Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. The main man is back. Stephen Kingsley was amongst the subs for the famous Jam Tarts on Sunday. However, I'm on about my return, Adam Kennedy, back in Scotland to chat about Heart and Midlothian Football Club. And I'm joined by Daniel McIver, as always. How are you, McIver? Did you have a nice birthday while I was away? Yes, it was good. Thank you very much. I've been here holding down the fort as you swan away. And now, yes, you're back. I'm del- I've missed you. How was Canada? Oh, mate, I had an absolute blast, honestly. Just... Do you know what? I was actually under false illusions. I landed back in Edinburgh on Thursday morning, the the day of your birthday, mm-hmm. and it was stunning weather. I was like, "Are we sure?" Like, I had to go and check with the pilot. You're definitely certain we've landed in Edinburgh, yeah? And he gave me the local time, all that jazz. I was like, "Okay, my my man has landed back here." Then I was walking through, and you know, it's like the where Scotland meets the world and all this. And I was like, "Oh, it's actually yeah, Scotland is appealing to people when the sun is shining." Um, and that was up until probably full time on Sunday, where it was pishing rain as we were leaving Tiny, and it's been shite weather ever since. Yeah. So yeah, I've been semi depressed, um, but for the most part, I, I'm I'm coping with the jet lag. It also helps when we batter a useless Dundee United team. Uh, so so all's well in my world, mate. What what about you? Yeah, it's 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 going good. Um, thankfully, didn't get too caught. In the downpour that happened on Sunday, managed to get the car. That's good. Just a wee bit drenched, not fully. It's <laughs> all right. But yeah, it was made all the worth because of how good that game was, which apparently, as I said on Twitter, is now Scottish football law. Hearts versus Dundee United has to be a great game. Unbelievable. Five goals already, 18 in the four last season. Tremendous. What, what, a, what a piece of action within the cinch. And speaking of the cinch, we are going to go around the grounds. I've been keeping my tabs on our wonderful league. Um, and something that was wonderful was a fantastic win for the well. Um, Motherwell, Hamill ball in full flow, kicking <laughs> off uh, Stevie Hamill's dugout debut as the permanent Motherwell manager with a 3-2 win over Aberdeen at Pitaudry. You absolutely love to see it. Um, Hibs were minutes away from grabbing another famous one-each win uh, but needless to say, I Obelai put a stop to that. Um, Joel Newblade netted the opener, and I see that he's started the season on fire. I want to get your thoughts quickly before we go into the rest of the results. I've heard Alan Preston say it. I've heard Michael Stewart say it. <laughs> Should Hearts be going for Joel Newblade? Yes or no? No. Okay. Uh, Rangers 4, St Johnston nil. Nobody really cares about that. Um, hopefully, this is the season where Saints are finally relegated. Um, and speaking of Saints... It was a massive win for Buddy's boss, Stephen Robinson, uh, who looks to have alleviated some pressure in Paisley, courtesy of a 1-0 win over Ross County, uh, who are still winless after three games. Perhaps should have got something at Tynecastle on the opening day, but let's move on. Um, and finally, it was rounded off before our match with um, reigning champion Celtic winning 5-0 against the newly promoted Kilmarnock uh, at Rugby Park. Um, so that was great. Obviously, the surface proving beneficial to Derek McInnes' Kelly once more. Um, what did you make of the other quintet of matches within the cinch? Uh, first of all, I'm absolutely shocked to see Derek McInnes get fucked by an old firm side. It's never happened before. I cannot believe it. Um, yeah, that game and the Rangers game, it was kind of like, right, yeah, business as usual, unexpected. The other games, though, were very interesting. 
I do not understand how Ross County do not have a point on the board because in all three games they've been in it until like the last minute. Even the three-one game against Celtic, it was like yeah, the eighth minute it was it? still one-all. Yeah, and they played really well in spells there. They played really well in spells against us. They played really well for most of the game against St Mirren. And Malcolm McCarr will be sat like, how are we bottom with no points? Like, what? I, I'm convinced that's two seasons in a row now where they've been shafted off the fixture computer as well. Yeah. They seem to face, like, top teams early doors. Everybody wonders why they struggle after, like, a couple of games. And then, like, last season, they're going on that mad run. It's like, oh, they're actually playing against teams that they are fully capable of beating. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, then... <laughs> you're not happy to see St Mirren win, are you, though? No, of course not. Yeah, that's not great. They just seem to not be playing well, but getting like spawny players, getting results like that. Richard Tate goal is obviously what a strike, by the way. (laughs) Fair play to him. But they didn't really seem to do much else, like in the game itself. Uh, So yeah, that was a bit annoying. The Motherwell game, I don't understand either team they Motherwell and Aberdeen for me are the two most confusing teams but for really different reasons Motherwell obviously because this is as you said Hamel ball is now in full effect because it's like well what can this squad do we obviously picked them to finish right down the bottom of the league but that was we both said that was with Alexander at the helm and he was managing I, with a handbrake people, on though wasn't he it yeah, seems as though Hamel ball was just alleviated that and taken it off they seem to just immediately be having more fun they're more expressive they all seem just genuinely happier which it's really hard to see how important that is for we'll get to one of our players this very soon speaking about how his happiness has affected his game like and how he really enjoys just playing football just now you can't enjoy playing football under graham alexander it's physically impossible and yet he signed the vast majority of said squad if not all the squad yeah, it makes no sense. I don't. That's what I mean. And then on the flip side, I have no idea what's happening at Aberdeen. Their attack looks class. Their attack looks really good. All their signs seems to be kind of just immediately hitting the ground running. They're Obviously, about the boy Miofsky, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. He scored a double last week against St Mirren. You can. How much can you read into that St Mirren game when they go down? to 10 men so early on but regardless it'll do him the world of good getting that confidence early doors but then their defence just seem to be at 60s and 7s still Johnny Hayes seems to be really good out of nowhere like Johnny Hayes just seems to have been like I'm just going to be 5 years younger again um, but everybody else like I'm not too convinced by the Stuart that they brought in like he looks new club captain wow I know I just don't I've seen nothing I watched the whole Celtic game opening day and then I've seen just the highlights from the last two games uh-huh. obviously he didn't have to do much against St Mirren but I felt like he doesn't look solid enough obviously it's only a few games in you'll be settling a set and a half you need to settle but I don't know what Jim Goodman must be thinking as well as Hamill because it's like Hamill's probably like right they're clearly playing for me they're happy whereas Goodman's like right some of this is working but others isn't, if you know what I mean. Motherwell seem to have a real stronghold over Aberdeen at the minute. Their recent record yeah. against them is really good. I think they've... Mm-hmm. I, I want to say that they won something like four games against them last season, knocked them out of the cup, because that cost Stephen Glass's job, didn't it, in the end? Yeah. Um, it's, but it's something mental, bizarre. basically. Uh, and then finally, Hibbs, Livy. I d- 
Talk to me about the Livingston goals. See you I later, don't... Paul Hamlin. Catch you after. Well, this and is a free I don't... header at the back stick. 86th minute. So pleasing. I, I don't know what ha- I think Hamlin thinks he's going to go to his left. I think Hamlin thinks, right, nobody's going to cut to my left. But then very quickly realises, oh, he's just not going to change direction. He's just going to keep <laughs> slips, running straight. <laughs> and then just, like changing. Yeah, he's tried to... I don't know what he's doing. For me, the worst one is the second. Like, I know Obelai's a big guy, so even if you're going to put someone on him, it, he's probably going to win in the air. But at least don't... The solution to that is not <laughs> just don't put anybody on him. Like... It's, it's great think, to see Hibbs get a taste of their own medicine as well. Like, the late winner at Perth, uh, obviously the late leveller in the derby and finally like that's one that's gone against them and it's just it's great to see also I don't I don't know how to feel about their new signings yet Boyle's obviously Boyle but he doesn't I don't know if he counts as because like he's already bedded in because he was there for so long like, yeah we know what he's capable of as well yeah, and, yeah. I'm, I've been impressed so far with Ellie Yuan. I think he looks good, and I think the more he'll play, the more he, goals he's going to score. Um, on the flip side, Tavares had a nightmare in that first half. I know it, and it is a shame because he's never really played men's football. Same with Noah Kenna. Like I know that they've. Hey, the McGinnis is a great start to his his hips no, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know what to make of them either. I don't know what to make of a lot of sides again this season. And I've seen some hearts... As obviously, the league table ended at the, at the weekend with Celtic and Rangers first and second and us in third, similar to what obviously most of the table was last season. And I saw a lot of people from not just Hearts fans, a lot of other clubs say, right, that's that top three done already. I'd, I disagree with it purely because... Obviously, I disagree with it in terms of we're three games in. But I disagree with it in terms of we've not started Europe yet. This is our first week of doing it. And everybody's still just in the process of clicking. Our squad hasn't had massive overhaul. We've just added a couple of people here and there. Uh, uh, this is sort of why I... Not prioritise. This is why I sort of thought that Celtic would win the league over Rangers because they've got that little bit of continuity. Like, the money mm. that they've spent was on the two Lonies, Carter Vickers and Jota, obviously, from last season... All they've really brought in is the Argentinian left-back who's barely kicked the ball because Greg Taylor's been excellent. Um, so that continuity, I think, can't be underestimated. The same goes for us. Uh, I wanted to ask you briefly because you were sort of touching and you'd alluded to it there. I heard somebody speak recently and I think it might be Mark Guidi on the, the Go Radio football show. And he was harping back to the gap between the top two and the rest. He likened this potential season coming forward to Dick Advocates Rangers and Martin O'Neill's Celtic and then Mm -hmm. the rest. Do you get the impression like they're talking about, you know, the fact that the old firm are probably going to have to reach over 100 points to win the league this year. Celtic, I think, finished on 91 points last season. Do you think that the the potential champions will have to be centurions in terms of points but bear in mind there's 114 to play for so you're asking a lot I think I don't know if this answers your question I think this is the best Celtic and Rangers have been in my lifetime together in terms of me 
being involved in Scottish football. Obviously, in our lifetime, was Dick Advocates, Rangers, and Martin O'Neill Celtic and stuff. In terms of they sides that reached European finals and yeah, yeah, doing incredibly well domestically. We were we then. Yeah, I wasn't really yeah. aware of them. It was just like when you're that wee, it's just <laughs> your team. You're not paying attention. Everybody else. From then, the age of me becoming involved in Scottish football generally, obviously, Celtic and Rangers have always been a level above all of us, but. I, I still can't remember a time where it just seems everybody for Rangers and Celtic is excellent. They're just regularly battering everybody. Again, competing on all fronts in Europe and stuff like that. And it Squads does, are stacked. I think there's going to be like a 25-point difference between them and the rest of the league oh. by the end of the year. Like I, just think I think there has never been, in me paying attention to Scottish football, a bigger gap between two sides. But then it creates an interesting discussion for... If we get third again, does that then create like a little yeah. island of our own yeah. where we're just we're nowhere near the old firm, but the financial clout we then get from back to back European group stage football? What does that do for the rest of the league? It's weird. We've never been in this situation as a league where that amount of money is potentially available to other teams, not just Celtic and Rangers. I know that mad what having a strong coefficient can do for you. I don't give a fuck about it though. I will say that I love Dundee United getting battered. There's so many folk were like, "I know this." No, that was that was us. that was funny. That was funny. Who cares? Motherwell yeah. getting beat off Sligo was yeah. funny, and like, it's going to happen to us. Oh, We're going to get hiding. One hundred percent. We we reached that Europa group stage. Those pot one teams. I reckon we could give Man United a hand a hiding because yeah, they are absolutely the gash. <laughs> but anybody else? Oh dear, that could be yeah. That could be a tough... Like, either of the Rome teams, I think, are in there. Yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, oh, dear. Oh, God. <laughs> Talking about, like, title races, how can theirs be over after two games? My goodness gracious it's me. It's not, though. It of is, course mate. it's not. It, it, of course it is. No, it it's, isn't. It's done. That is done. But speaking of done, so. a side that we saw get absolutely done, as you alluded to, was Dundee United. <laughs> All eyes on Tynecastle Sunday afternoon, um, and Hearts took on Dundee United, who were looking to get over that Dutch disaster, getting pumped seven nil off AZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. Robbie Nielsen made just one change from the Hearts team that drew at Easter Road last weekend as the Terrors came to Tynecastle. That was Cami Devlin coming back in for Peter Haring. Uh, but the pleasing thing for me, or the most pleasing thing for me, was also named among the substitutes, like I'd alluded to earlier was the King, Stephen Kingsley, uh, making his comeback from injury. Hearts lined up as follows, though, to take on United. It was Gordon and goal, back four of Michael Smith, Craig Halkett, Kai Rolls and Alex Cochran. Uh, Cammy Devlin and George Grant were ahead of them, with Alan Forrest and Barry Mackay supporting Lauren Shankland uh, and Liam Boyce, stroke Liam Boyce, being in that trio, supporting Lauren Shankland, if you will. Um, on the bench, Ross Stewart, Stephen Kingsley, Peter Haring, Gary McKay, Stephen, Nathaniel Atkinson, Andy Halliday, Lewis Nielsen, Toby Civic, and Josh Janelli. Were you happy with that selection as soon as you saw it, mate? For me, the biggest talking point of the team was nothing to do with our side, because I feel that that team is our strongest side. Barring interesting, one that's player. what I was. That's what I was going to ask you. Barring one player, I think Haring is in the strongest side. Do you? And then it's yeah, and then it's no just, place for Kingsley. Oh yeah, well, I, 
We can get to Kingsley later because <laughs> there's going to be a discussion about Zurich, and I think I differ from a lot of the fan base. Oh when it no! Comes to it. Oh, but anyway, no. good. There's, you know, I love a bit of controversy. Yeah, always obviously, well. Kingsley is all. I will say Kingsley is also in our strongest side. I'll say that. But in terms of that shape and the majority of the players, I feel is our strongest eleven, and one that I hope continues. I hope we stay with this shape. Oh, nice. For me, though. The biggest deciding factor was the surprise for me because I don't keep up with them that much. Uh, I didn't do a lot. Was that Dylan Levitt was missing through injury. So I, my assumption was Cammy Devlin came in because we wanted an energetic midfield because they played a three with Levitt in that three. So we were going to be outmanned and you needed Devlin's energy to combat that. Then... And I don't know if that was Robbie's logic as well until we saw the team I, sheet. I, where... I, I, I didn't even know that Dylan Levitt was injured potentially. I don't, so I, don't I know think. he got. I remember I watched the AZ game and I saw he got hurt, but he played on. So I was yeah. just like, oh, okay, there's, that's it. It's not going to lead to anything. It's just a. Obviously, niggle. they decided not to risk him because they've got. I think they've got St. Mirren next week. Massive game already. But he's missing that. He's out. He's oh, out for dear. a period of time. I believe so. Jack Ross said he's going for a scan, but it doesn't look good and they don't know how long he's going oh, to be out for. Yeah. That's a shame. But yeah, very happy with the team selection. I understand Haring was dropped for Thursday in terms of just resting him. Yeah, because... I think that's right as well. But yeah, fully on board with that. And you're happy to see Cammy Devlin get some minutes? Yeah, because I just think... I mean, he literally couldn't have had a bigger impact as quick as he did. I didn't expect that to happen, but I was like, good... Get him as close to match fitness as he can possibly be ahead of Thursday if we either want to start him or chuck him on with half an hour left. Yeah. It, it was nice to see him get minutes, but like you say, hearts and a fast start. Name me a more iconic duel. That's, a, that's an understatement, though, because we've had fast starts. Is this the fastest start we've ever had in us going to games? I was trying to think, me and my dad were sitting thinking of this. I couldn't think of a faster start. In terms of actually being there... Yeah, it's, got, it's got to be up there, if not. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Smith scored opening day against Dundee Championship season, but that was a minute and a half in. GMS scored last season. Was but that, that a minute was and a half in? in? Was that as quick as that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No one was there, obviously. It was COVID. No, I, uh, I, I was thinking of other games where nobody was there. Did Ollie Lee not score a couple inside like three minutes? Yes, he did. But against East I still Fife, don't it? think it was. I still don't think it was quick as 46 seconds. 42, I heard. 42, sorry. 42, yeah. Is that, is that right? I, I, I don't know. But I anyway, anyway I you know me. I, oh, honestly, I just love when we get off to such a great start. Honest to God, my morale just goes tenfold. It's great. Love it. Um, and if we talk about the goal, I mean, <laughs> United kick off. This is the mental thing. <laughs> Nobody seems to be talking about the fact they kick off. And before you know it, less than a minute, and the ball's in the back of their own net. Um, Alan Forrest and Liam Boyce are the ones beginning to move down the right. And eventually it's Cammy Devlin that picks up on the flank, drills a lovely ball into the box. And there he is, our number nine, Lauren Shanklin, to stab home against his former club, adding to United's misery early doors. Great goal, Matthaver. Well, this is the thing. I was saying this to Adam before we started recording. Uh, this season, I'm fully going in on stats. I love a stat. I've been trying not do it as much in the show because I know it can be boring for some people. No. Now, this season, you can all be bored to tears because this game, 
is really interesting from a stat point of view and Shankland is one of the most interesting people because first of all the goal itself is a great passing move you see Shankland just point exactly where he wants it from Devlin near post so he can just run on and guide it in really nice finish Shankland he's played three competitive games for us obviously and scored two goals it's been an incredible start for him what's interesting that I found out and then I spoke to the the Maroon report about this to get confirmation because I didn't just want to say it and then be like no actually the stats don't prove that my feeling on Shankland is that he's barely been getting chances in terms of we've not been creating a lot of chances for him but whenever we get he gets a chance he tends to either score or at least put it on target so my thought was he must be massively outperforming his xg because he'll be his xg must be really low because he's barely getting chances and it was right so he's currently got two goals and three which puts his it like it's obviously 2.28 or something like that his xg is only one <laughs> Like oh, he's an XG of one, so he's currently doubling his XG, and you can view that as both a positive and a negative. You can view it as a negative and going, eventually he's not going to be doubling his XG, and we need to start creating chances for him a bit more so he can actually maintain this goal scoring effort. But on the flip side, you can view it positively and going, despite barely getting chances, he's still scoring regularly. He's had seven shots this season for us competitively, and six have been on target. The only one off target was from 30 yards against Ross County, and it just went past the post. So even when he's not getting chances, he's still creating everything that he does get. So what you're effectively telling me is, say Hearts play a good 45, 50 games, and he's Mm -hmm. given one great chance within that, we should be expecting 100 goals. Yes, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. If he doesn't hit 100 this season, he's failed and we should sell him. It's an embarrassment. Oh, what a yeah. player. I'm what so it? impressed with him. I'm so oh. impressed with him. Because I thought... Music to my ears, mate. I've always been a fan. This might be ignorant on my part. I just assumed from everything I'd heard and the little I'd seen was that he was just strictly a penalty box striker. Like, that was it. I just thought that was See, it. When you and watch his also... collection of goals for Air United, like, some of them are ridiculous. Like, he's got but no not, right to score Not even that. Obviously, the big stumbling block for him at Aberdeen was his fitness and his conditioning yeah. and stuff like that. So, for me, I had it in my head that he was going to be like a Rudy, where he doesn't really run about <laughs> and just kind of stays in the one air, but he'll do something when he gets it. However, even just in that game, he had... 80% duels won, 90% passing accuracy. His heat map, the central point of it was in the number 10 role. He wasn't even up in the box. It was oh, His link-up play has been great. I've been so impressed with I just, him. I, I can't speak highly enough of him. It's funny what you said about the sort of likenings to Rudy, though, because I think when he was at Air, they were initially part-time before they sort of made that transition. Mm-hmm. So when he signed for Air, I believe he became a PT and so got himself in a right good oh, nick. Okay. And then, obviously... Having been part time, exactly. It's just extra training. He was training like a full time footballer. Um, wow! And now he's yeah. full time and, and banging them in for the jambos. So long may that continue. I mean, who who would have foreseen that coming? I'll remain tight lipped. Um, but yeah, an electric start could have had a couple within the first ten minutes. Actually, there was mm-hmm. a chance where Kai Rolls kept a corner alive after Liam Boyce had headed one wayward. So that was from a George mm-hmm. Grant delivery. 
um, and Halkett eventually heads towards goal, but Birgitti palms. George Grant somehow finds himself back in and amongst the action, having taken the corner um, and very nearly slides home, but it wasn't to be. Uh, there was a Barry Mackay drive where Charlie Mulgrew gives a slack pass away and Mackay just runs and runs and runs and runs and he's got no real support. Eventually tests with the left foot, but Birgitti pans away yet again. Um, you had Alan Forrest trying his luck, Cammy Devlin shooting straight at his compatriot. Um, but afterwards, I don't know whether it's a complacency creeping in or whether we just feel as though United are a decent side. We allow them back into the game. What were your thoughts with kind of the supposed negativity stroke sitting back after being 1-0 up? What, what did you make of it? Because for the most part, I thought we were in control first half, but toward the latter end of the first half, it did seem as though United were going to be creeping back into the game. And that says my ticker, Lupe. This will sound like, oh, well, with the benefit of hindsight, of course you're saying that. I never felt they were coming back into the game personally. At halftime, I tweeted, I'll take that. I, dis- I get what people are saying, and one of those people is Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen said for, the f- for 60 seconds we were great, and then for 44 <laughs> minutes we were very poor. That's what he said. As I said on Twitter, I think that's great that he has that, and that that's his standards. I do feel he's been slightly harsh, ever so slightly harsh, because... Whilst, yes, after the first 10 minutes, for the remaining 35, we weren't creating as many chances, we no. weren't getting the balls out wide and hitting the hitting Shanko and hitting Boyce, I still felt we were really comfortable with the ball. We were, Halkett and Rolls spent most of the time basically on the halfway line, just passing it across the back line. Yes, there were a few chances. I do not understand allowing Ryan Edwards long-range shots. Was, I don't get it. was going to get into that. I mean, we, we saw that last season, albeit it took a nick off Kingsley, but I don't know. It's it, still it, what he's known for. But no, exactly, and, and, and he loves a pop, uh, my, my Twitter mate. But yeah, that was one of only two real chances that I had for United in that, in that first mm-hmm. half. The second of which arrives, I think it's five minutes before the interval. And I actually see his two former Jambos linking up, both of whom played under Robbie Nielsen at Hearts. Um, as Liam Smith's freed down the right, looks to centre for Tony Watt, who diverts it wide. But other than that, United didn't really carve out a lot. And to be honest, you could probably say the same about their second half performance. I think um, what it really showcased is how crucial Dylan Levitt is to their entire game plan. What a wonderful footballer. Like, it, you watch that first leg game against AZ, which I know is now inconsequential <laughs> considering what happened, but so much of what was good was through Levitt. He was at the centre of everything, and it allowed players like Middleton to really grow into the game and get confidence. However, on Sunday, there was no Levitt, so it was kind of like, oh, we all now need to do that, and they just can't. Charlie Mulgrew started in midfield, mate. Charlie he was Mulgrew. number six, eh? He yeah. was just in front I think it was like Mulgrew, McGrath, and I want to say Sybil, but I don't know if that's right. I was really surprised at how little influence Jamie McGrath had on the game. Yeah, because he's a good player. I expected him to do very, very well, and I thought, again, that was why we've put Devlin in there. Buzz about him. Devlin didn't need to do that at all. Devlin was able to kind of stand off a no. step back and just, with Grant, 
look at the game and go, right, okay, what do we need to do? Dundee United just immediately... And I get it, right? I do understand the logic in... Jack Ross probably said, we cannot get embarrassed again. So we need to be a bit... Sit a bit deeper, be a bit more tight at the back. A bit more rugged and what have you, yeah. Yeah, but I still... But then when you concede in 42 seconds, the game plan goes out the window. That's it. And that, that's why I find it so imperative that we have to get off the a good start, both in games and just... In, in our in our season, I I wax lyrical about this all the time. I'm a big believer in just get off to a good start because it it really did change things. And speaking of a good start, if we thought that the first half was decent, as was the second, two minutes in, and there he is, my midfield magician doing his thing, equaling the entire goal tally from last campaign, two goals in three games. And we were talking about Shanklin's strike rate. Barry Mackay's must be... His, his XG, what are we expecting off him? 250? Yeah, basically, I. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, he's got a lot to do after receiving from Kai Rolls, but what a screamer. 30-yard pile driver, not a problem. Bottom corner, Bosch, twos it. Game done. Do I know the, the highlight of it for me? Please tell me it was somebody just shouted don't shoot don't shoot <laughs> no uh, my dad missed it <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there Grail. we've all been and there. barry mckay is his favorite player and he was and also it's a rake it's not just like barry mckay tapped it in yeah, like, it's an absolute he, rake he doesn't do tap-ins to barry no. does he he's just he obviously he was who i was referencing when we were speaking yes. about motherwell in terms of he gave you sky sports interview and listen you couldn't tell it by the way he speaks and sounds, oh, he's but he's very excited. monotone boy ever, isn't he? <laughs> Love that. Does not give a shit. But, you can tell he's just... He said when he signed his three-year extension, he said that he's never felt happier and more comfortable playing in a team. And part of that is because we just kind of say, Barry, do what you want. <laughs> like, literally, whatever you want to do, yeah, go for it. And it's just... He probably is the best player we've had since Rudy, yeah. In terms of ability. In terms of ability. Oh, wow. We've had... I would say we've had more influential players. I get what you mean. But, in terms of just raw ability and the the way oh, to just yeah. change a game on a dime. Like, look at his assist in the derby. Oh. Just no look halfway oh, line. Just bang. Lovely. Honestly, mate. His range of pass is phenomenal. His delivery is excellent. The change of pace is deceivingly quick. Has that eye for a pass, adding goals to his game. What do you make of the talk about Steve Clark calling him up for Scotland? Because I hope I, not. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it'd be great to see it, but no thanks. As someone who is not interested in the national team, I have no desire for Barry McKay to have his leg broken in a shite Nations League game that means or some fuck random off. Moldovan man. No, no thank you. <laughs> I understand that he will want it, but selfishly, no, Barry, stay with us. No, because even then, you see a couple of Rangers fans that are just, I don't know, like desperate slags wanting him back, and it just, no, move on! <laughs> You've got Ryan Kent and Tillman. Go away, allow us to have Grow him. up, look at the bench. Exactly. Um, just after there with Mark Hover, two have become three. No, no, oh, no, oh, you've missed... You've missed my personal highlight of the game. Which was? And this is now where we can speak about my man of the match. Kai Rolls. Okay. Because... The floor is yours. Two minutes after we score the second, they completely break through and have a 
I can't even remember who it is. I think it's Tony Watt or Ian Harks is almost in front of Gordon himself on the edge of the box and Kai Rolls comes out and slides from behind, wraps his legs around it, gets the ball, plays it to Halkett and Halkett can get rid of it. And it made people I didn't see it on the highlights when I watched it back. I do apologize. But, but I remember it, it wasn't included in the highlights and that's an embarrassment. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, you're blaming right? me. Fix up parts. Speaking about stats, Jesus Christ. So he got Rolls got an assist Right? For Mackay. Assist for Mackay. <laughs> right? That counts as really an assist. It, it, if like, Cochrane's for a Barry like, Mackay counts, like, it's they, an assist. Like they are, but they're not, are they? Yes, they are. I say yes, this is somebody are. that works for a statistics website, but carry on. You do you. The club today tweeted out that Kai Rose has had the most <laughs> amount of interceptions in the league with 15. Who's second to that? Oh, it's also my favourite player, Alex Cochrane, with 12. See? I know what I'm talking about, right? But in this one game, Kai Rolls had five clearances, two blocked shots, four tackles, 88% pass accuracy, was and 12 out of 18 duels won as well. It was. He it was, was top draw. He was a colossus. And he's just... For someone who I imagine Nielsen wasn't expecting to play this much early, because he would have assumed Kingsley was going to be in the role that he currently is in, to be suddenly chucked in, he's he's been flawless. Like, I I'm, I love him. He's amazing. What can I say? June 1998, three hearts icons born. Cammy Devlin, <laughs> Kai Rolls, Adam Kennedy. <laughs> me, me and my Aussie mates. How have you ruined this? How have you ruined Kai Rolls? I signed on my birthday. Just, just wanted to chill out there. <laughs> oh, Do you remember when I told hearts to sign Barry McKay and Lauren Shanklin? I'm back, baby! Come on! <sighs> Oh, I love life. See when hearts decide to make football fun. Life really is good, isn't it? It's great. I love my team, man. <laughs> no comment. No, no comment. Okay, let's talk about George Grant's goal. Um, because, as I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted there, um, just after the half-hour mark, that's right, two, and it would become three. <laughs> <laughs> as George Grant would stab home. Um, an interesting one, given... When you watch it back, again, United are just the masters of their own downfall, really, here. Right, I mean, it's can their, finally speak about them. It's their corner. My goodness gracious me. Uh, his pass is then intercepted, George Grant, when we're up the other end. Mackay rolls out to Smith. Michael Smith, I love it with bits. You know, a roaming right back, doing what he does. Cuts inside. as well. Rolls back the years. But let's be honest, it's a tame effort towards Benedict's <laughs> goal. And he pans it out into the one area that he shouldn't. And there is big Jorge coming in, slamming home. Three's up to the famous. Right. Currently, as we stand, we don't. me and Adam don't know because they've still got the rest of the podcast, so something might change. As it stands, this podcast episode is titled, in the most confusing way, George Rolls... Because if you say it in a weird way, it sounds like Gorgie rules. Because you could say Jorge like Gorgie and rules and rules, right? That's what the title's about oh, there. Dear. However, it might have changed. But <laughs> I I sent a tweet during Dundee United's demolition in Holland saying, Robbie Nielsen's game plan should be turning to Boyce Shanklin, Forrest and Mackay and going, just shoot, lads. And evidently... He listens to me because that was clearly the game plan. I, but in I, fairness, can I cut you off there? Sorry, 
we've said for a piece that Robbie listens to the podcast. Just come out and admit True. it, Robbie. There's nothing True. wrong with that. I don't know if it's Jig, if it's Gordy. Somebody listens to it. They're passing it on to the gaffer, and it's great that he's using our information. But sorry, McIver, carry on. That was clearly the game plan because we had 13 shots and 12 on target. Which a, a good, I can't a, remember we've been that like, and a, a, good, a good load of those came in the first half as well. Like I know that some are from distance, but they all count. I'm speaking about stats today. This is how you can't always look at stats because Sofa Score had Bergiti as Dundee United's highest rated player. Because technically, he made eight saves. This is like when I got dogs abuse for the Sam Walker inclusion in the Who Scored Team of the Week, despite conceding five to Celtic. Yeah, that was mental. That was. In fairness, I did watch back the highlights. He's at fault for at least two, if not yeah. three. You cannot concede five and get in Team of the Week. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I didn't um, make the article, just put it in the team. Wise, he's lying. He's lying completely. He's in charge of everything. It is the tamest effort. He gets down low, he gets down early, all he needs to do is take it in his body. And I'll be honest, watching at the game, I didn't think it was that bad. I just thought, oh, he's palmed it and George Grant's kind of been there to tap in, fair play. Yeah. But we got in the car and the completely unbiased sports end panel of Lee Miller and John Robertson... <laughs> Neither sat. of whom have a great affiliation <laughs> with Hearts. Yeah, we're sat going... It's horrific from the goalkeeper. It's absolutely terrible. So me and my dad and all that were sat in the car being like, right, we'll need to watch this back. It clearly was bad. Chuck on sports scene and it is atrocious. Like, just catch it, mate. Just catch it. I know he made saves during the game, but he is he the worst keeper in the league? Oh. I know there's been keepers like the Killy keeper who conceded five, but he's previously in other games been all right Tell by all what, accounts. See, see, had Jack Ross signed him for Hibs, it would have made sense given their history with dreadful yeah. goalkeepers. And there was always going to be a drop off from whoever was brought in from Seagrass. After Seagrass, right? Yeah. The tall was Clark, be... and that seems to have fallen through, but yeah, that, like that on a mental. free transfer, I think United you know, paid money for this boy. Very you did? For... Was it from Central Coast Mariners, the same team as Rose? Yeah. Yeah. He kept the second most amount of clean sheets in the A League last season. Jesus. But then again, I think that's all down to Kai Rose. (laughs) Evidently, that's it all I'm putting in my head. Kai Rose must have just been like, I cannot allow shots. United have been missold with the stats, have they? That's it. They're not not doing their whole work. Um, I was going to say that that league's making Jason Cummings look like Lewandowski in fairness so there's always that but Fair point on. though to Grant delighted for him because I'll be honest I thought it was quite quiet for the first 50 minutes and then I, I totally agree totally agree then Boyce came off and he went into the 10 and looked and he really good immediately really yeah. good I, I thought so Liam Boyce was very poor on Sunday didn't have a good I was, I was really all. disappointed I, I love Boyce a bit but that was by no means noticed, his best um, performance. I noticed in the first half that he was the player, whenever he got it, three Dundee United players went and smothered him immediately. It Which didn't is understandable, because he he's a top player. And that's the thing, no one else in our team had that level of marking on them. Even when Mackay got it, they often stepped off. That's what I was going to say. Surely Mackay would have been another choice. Yeah. I, I, it's, like, I, I was going to save this talk for later on, but we're as well talking about it. I again like you, you spoke about Grant going into that 10 but first choice probably is going to be Shankland with Forrest and Mackay either side and Boyce support mm-hmm. 
I know it's early doors, and I really don't want to put pressure on you know the players. I, that would be you know my worst nightmare. But I couldn't help but think on Sunday that it was reminding me of 2010-11 or 2011-12, Templeton, Elliot, Scatchell, Kyle. Like in terms of fours, Why we've been we've been gagging on an attacking quartet for years, and this is the best that we've seen in years. Because it was a You've fun. I was thinking of. I was thinking of a fun trio like Lafferty, Milinkovic, and Naismith was fun for a time. Mm-hmm. But in terms of four, I can't think of a quartet. Nicholson, King, and Walker behind Soul. That was fun. I don't know. I just. It's different because it's in the championship, but still. And like, it seemed to be Nicholson. It was it usually be, two of them yeah, with so. It seemed to be three and two with yeah. so and like Zayfouk or so and Wanma when they got promoted or whenever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> James Keaton's <laughs> Gary Oliver. <laughs> I hey, I like Dale, Dale Carrick. Anybody? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on. But, them. and but I you, think but, it is a bit too early but, but days. But you know what I mean? Like it. It seems like. It's unorth- it's unorthodox, but it's working. Yeah, and I don't, very, very and it's like impressed. you alluded to earlier. I don't want to see us revert to this three-five-two or the three-four-three mm-hmm. when it's like that was really fun on Sunday. I, I I left thinking I thoroughly enjoyed that. I could watch that again. I think that's fair. I think though that is just a. I don't know what it is. It's just this fixture though. But or is it because we've been starved of the countless jobbers that we've seen since the four that I mentioned left the club over a decade ago? Why why is it taking so long for us to find significant threatening attacking options? Obviously, as you say, it's very early days. They could all fall off a cliff. Oh, I fully expected them to. And, to be blunt, we're now about to hit the hard times of yeah. playing Thursday to Sunday, Thursday to Sunday. So they probably won't be playing all together as often as fans would like to see them. But it is objectively very exciting. And it is. It, I, I, I don't mean like... I made that comparison because of the general feel around Tarts as yeah, well. The feel-good yeah. factor's there. There's a thriving front four. I might be crazy. I might be chucking it out far too early. I definitely am chucking it out far too early. But I'm in a good place. I thoroughly enjoy my afternoon. Hey, there's optimism at the club, and if you can't enjoy the optimism, what's the point? You've literally been listening to me moan for 90-plus episodes of this podcast. (laughs) Let me have my moment, please. Exactly. But speaking of moments, we had an absolute disaster class. Let's just cut to the chase. United are handed a lifeline. Tony Watt rescues it on the left-hand side. Sends it inside for the Aussie left-back, Bezic. Bezic. Yep. Don't know him. He's a judge to have been brought down by former Arab Gary Mackay Stephen. <laughs> Simple yes or no. <laughs> it's a spot kick. I think I know the answer. Like, it's. I was sat up the back of R and I was like, that looked really soft. I think it is. And then you watch it back. He kicks Gary Mackay Stephen's leg and falls over. VAR! Get it in now! 
I know it's coming soon. This is the worrying thing. I, think, like I, I, I don't think it overturns that. <laughs> yes, it does. Because yes, no, it does. Because I don't have any faith in these officials, man. I'm telling you, because there's another decision that we'll get onto very late on, which again, oh god, I've not missed this. The piss poor refereeing. Never a pen in a million years. However, Stephen Fletcher slides home. What a blast from the past. His first goal in Scottish football for 13 years. The 2nd of May 2009, Hibbs lost 2-1 at home to Dundee United and he was the high B's goal scorer yeah, He scored day. against the team that he's now just scored his first one for. Madness. I like Absolute wee madness. like that. Yeah, it's funny how football's trivial at that but it's 13 yeah. years. Couldn't believe that. Um, and speaking of former employers, Lon and Shankland had a chance on the stretch which I mean, if we're looking for 100 goals, that was a great chance, but he's just yeah. too far from, from Andy Halliday's ball. However, the, the ridiculous decision that I'm talking about, I'm not going to complain because Josh Janelli makes it four in 10 seconds from time, but he's offside. Lauren Shanklin. I don't think he is. Oh, he is, mate. Come on. Mate. I don't think he is. Oh, I've he seen is. it back and I've seen it with lines. I've seen it like someone superimposed VR lines. His right foot's offside. I think it's tight. I think it's tight. I think it would probably. I think probably would be given as offside, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as that penalty. No, probably not. But he's off. That, pen- I, that penalty decision is an absolute disgrace. Yeah, I've seen it back a few times, and I, I can understand it being given as offside. But I can also see why it wouldn't. I can see why it wasn't given as offside in the moment. Yeah, because Gino's got that electric pace. I mean, I heard Robbo wax and lyrical. You mentioned Sports Sound about keeping Janelli around. Like Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> It really did. I wanted to get your thoughts because it's a great goal from Gino and it, 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 it does show what he's capable of from time to time, albeit our frustrations are voiced because we don't see it often enough. The rumour is that he's potentially off to Turkey. What do you make of it, McIver? Because again, like we said, Robbo did make it out to be Ronaldo. Um, Josh Janelli fucking hates clubs for Tayside. He's got a great record. <laughs> St. Johnston in particular despises them. United. I swear it's he's scored ten goals again for Hart, and I think six of them have come against Tayside clubs. Oh, like, you, have, you have been doing your research. Yes, it's on. Un, it's allegedly someday, someday clap. Yeah, that. allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, my view on Gino leaving is, I'm not fussed either way, but if he does leave, we need to replace him on top of existing signings that I also think we need. So I think we need another forward. Obviously, we're being linked with Lee. We don't. Know, we might be signing on a pre-contract can, in January. Can I just but, say it's killing yeah. me seeing El Sims bagging for Sunderland. He's he's on fire. I think he's staying for me, mate. Oh no! Shout sad, out to the Roker Report for getting me on, and I've been proven right so far. Um, Heaven Ross Stewart, goals. Yeah. What a I couple know. of bagsmen. Yeah, still not doing great though, are they? As a as a, as a club, <laughs> you so, had to get that in there. Yeah, um, I still think we need another forward. If Gino goes, I think we then need two. I think we need a like oh, for like replacement for Gino center forward. Center yeah. forward yeah. Okay. Um. Great. What, what what a thoroughly enjoyable afternoon. Just class. Just it class. was class. Oh, man, oh, so nice. I mean. No, I'm not even. I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Let's let's. No, let's you have to now. You oh, yeah, cannot say that. that. No, no, I, no. What? I was going to say. It should be nine points. It's the same. But no, stop being but negative, hey, man. But you know what? 
well, I've been far too positive. I had, to, I had to bring it down at some stage. I'm sorry. I know, I know you hate me. I hate myself as well. But let's yeah, let's move good. on. Um, we are midway through August, and in late July 2016, Heart of Midlothian played Burkhar Kara in their Fucking last. Fucking speaking about negativity, match. man. However, we're putting that firmly behind us. The team are looking to put that behind us. The club are looking to move on. Hearts travel to Switzerland in midweek. Take on reigning Swiss champions FC Zurich in St. Gallen. Six years on from our last outing in continental competition. Robbie Nielsen fled to England. We endured some dross like Ian Cathro, Daniel Stendel, Craig Levine again. Robbie's come back and we're back aiming to be in the big time. Mate. I was 18 years of age. I'm now 24. That was a quarter of my life ago. How mad is that? See, I'm I'm too old for it to be a quarter of my life. It's a wee bit less than that. Um, but yeah, it's just it. I'm. I cannot express how excited I am for oh, this. Like God. it's all I've been thinking about. I'm, We're gonna get battered. Uh, I still can't. Uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm genuinely spewing. Like as much as I loved Canada, as much as I had a brilliant time. Finances, man. It, I, I, I actually, <laughs> like, it kills me. I'm literally gonna be watching on Thursday. So envious of everybody that's there. Result dependent, of course, but yeah. fingers crossed. Um, I just hope we all have a great time. I hope that. We're able to stay in the tie, get them back to Tynecastle. This is it, the Europa League. That would be remarkable from where we've come from, in particular. Yeah, it's just that the fact that today the Europa League account was tweeted photos of George Grant. It's we still are just the weirdest massive. thing. <laughs> it's so it. weird. It's so weird, but, but I'm so on board. You've done your it. research on Zurich McIver, so. I'm opening the floor. You can you can give us the lowdown. Give us your Swiss spiel. That was tricky yes. to say. Carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched two of their games in full. I watched. I can't even remember who. Was I watched the, the first game of the games? season. No, no, I watched the domestic games. Okay. I don't think you can lead too much into their games against Linfield because it's very different to what they're going to be expecting against us. So I can't. I, I can't remember the team name, but whoever they played the first game of the season, and then I watched their game from the weekend on Sunday as we were playing, their derby against FC Winterhur, where they drew one all. FC so, who, sorry? FC Winterhur. Right, okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I so, don't know as, as everybody has made it very clear, they are massively underperforming across the board. So, they've played five, won none, Drawn two, including that Derby result where they were expected to win and lost three. Um, a lot of people have kind of been like, how has this happened considering they were Swiss champions last season? They are the reigning Swiss champions. The two seasons before that, they finished eighth and seventh respectively. So the, the title win was as often been compared to Leicester because the season before they won the title, on the last day, they stayed up by a point. And then they went on to win the title. So it's very scary how so, similar it is. Hold to on, how many how many uh, teams are there in the Swiss top tier? Ten. There's only ten. There's only ten. So what happened? Well, the reason they're in this terrible situation is because they've basically been gutted of everybody that won them that title. It's so, almost like a, Leicester lost 
Riyad Mahrez, N'Golo Kante, etc. Yeah. etc. Et Except they replaced them with good players, not Donny Sadvalai. <laughs> so You just know he's bagging the winner on Thursday night, don't you? <laughs> it's the most written thing since Ben Woodburn bagging for pre-season. Yeah, uh, bagging exactly. for Preston in pre-season, sorry. So, oh, the dear. manager, which I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but Andre Brettenreiter. Is that the one that's on the Hoffenheim? So he has now become the Hoffenheim manager. Nice. Their top goal scorer, uh, Cissé, who scored 20 and got 11 assists, he left to Lecce. And then their two key midfielders, their holding midfielder and number eight, basically, they also both went to Italy. I can't remember who they signed for. Their current manager is Franco Foda, who people know that because he's the former Austrian national team manager who played against us, actually in the World Cup qualifiers and is I wouldn't say hounded out of Austria but he didn't do enough with Austria's kind of golden generation with like Sabitzer, Leimer Arnautovic and stuff he, he had that team that they currently have and he didn't qualify for a tournament with them so he was then sacked and viewed very poorly he has massively changed the system so under Breton Reiner they were also like Leicester they barely had any of the ball. They averaged 46% possession, which was the second lowest in the league out of 10. That's and mad. they would just play yeah, they would just play on the counter all the time. They would be playing balls over to Cissé, who was incredibly fast and was running behind, very similar to Mares and Vardy in that system. And they, they also had their, the ball. They had their two midfielders just winning everything, breaking up play completely. Now, Foda's changed that he's now went to a dominant model so they mainly play in a 3-4-2-1 now and they now this season it's obviously only five games but they now have 54% average possession which is third in the league just only behind Basel and Young Boys so the two best teams in the league then the team who are currently bottom with no wins have the third most amount of possession that is actually crazy how well it's flipped the total reverse of what you'd think yeah. that's nuts you might be thinking how are they what are they doing with the ball if they're not evidently nothing if they've got so much of it they've currently in five games not including their games against Linfield this is just purely domestically they've played five games and scored one goal however they have an XG of 6.8 so for people who don't understand XG that means looking at their chances they should have scored 6 Point, basically seven goals in these opening five games. They've only scored one. Oh, now, great, so they're positive... saving them for Thursday night. That's marvellous. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So that's a positive and a negative for us. It's a negative because they're creating a lot of chances that they should be scoring. And eventually you have to think they'll start taking them. But the positive for us is they are being unbelievably wasteful in front of goal. Like, insanely wasteful. Then, on the flip side... They've, they're outperforming their XG in the negative sense because their XG of being conceded against should only be 7. They should only have conceded 7 goals if you look at XG. They've actually conceded 11. So their defence is... difference of minus 10. Yeah. So they've got a much worse... Their defence should be better than it currently is, which again, you can say... Well, that's a negative because eventually they're going to have a good performance together. But the negative is that currently they're not at all. 
their their chairman today came out and said that the form is making him sick to his stomach. Their captain came out and said that his squad lacks heart, desire, and any intensity. There seems to just be in complete panic mode. However, for me personally, and this is um, a lot of these stats are also helped by Craig Fowler. Craig Fowler did a great article today as we're recording in the evening news, which a lot of these stats are from. Um, as I said, I watched the two games, but I wanted to get the stats exactly right. The players that Fowler uh, picked up on, and two of them I really picked up on watching the games. The best player they have is um, Adrian Guerrero, who some people, if you're fans of Spanish football, will know he came through the Valencia Academy and played a few times for Valencia. He's the Spanish left-back. He's very good. He, he's, he kind of plays like a wing-back, even though, because obviously they play a 3-4. He's very much pushing forward, getting balls into the box, cutting in on his right foot and taking shots from far away. We'll really, really need to watch that. You imagine it'll be Forrest Smith coming up against him. So Doubling up potentially, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Their other fullback is also very good. Their strength is in their fullbacks. Again, I'll completely butcher this name. Nikola Borazenovic. Nicely maybe. done. Yep. Not as forward-thinking as Guerrero. He doesn't get as forward, but he's a more creative player. He's good at link-up. He's good at overlapping. Looks very good. Marciano is the number 10, uh, one of the more experienced members of the squad, 31. Just a typical number 10, good with his feet. But he tends to shoot from long distance, and it's not really working for him this season. Then the two younger players are Mirland Krejnu, who's their centre half, he tends to win the ball really high up. He tends to be incredibly forward. The three that they play is very similar when we play a three where their centre halves are basically on the halfway line. So they just constantly win the ball. So it could give us an opportunity for breakaways with Forrest, Mackay, hopefully. And then finally, the guy that they're kind of pinning all their hopes on for the future is this young Italian striker who's 18, Wilfred Gnotto. He's not scored yet, but they have incredibly high hopes for him. I don't know if he'll play a lot against us because it is quite a big jump up. He is only 18. But That's great. He's going to burst onto the scene with a hat-trick against yes, us. That's nice. exactly. And finally, this is unironically, their shining light this season has been Donny Sadvalai. He's been the main man in the Linfield games, getting a few there. And <laughs> Did see that. Yeah, it just seems to be a creative force for them. They seem to be getting the best out of them. Haring was asked about them in this week's, uh, this past week's press conference because he used to play with them a long time ago and said, don't judge him on the month he was here. It was a totally like tumultuous period. He is better than what he showed. We can't just be really, oh, it's Donny Sadvalai. Who cares? We need to be on it. So that's my research into Zurich. They've shown against Linfield that they can just sweep sides away. We, I would like to think we're a better quality side than Linfield. We're probably similar to the top end of the Swiss League. Not as good as Basel and Young Boys, but the team's finishing third probably are who we are. They have been batting aside Zurich this season with no problems at all. So I cannot wait until we get beat 3-0 in St. Gallen. That answers my question for your score prediction. <laughs> nice. I don't uh, know. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. How's this for some blind optimism? FC Zurich nil, part of Midlothian one. 
Okay. Don't know why. I just feel optimistic for some weird, unbeknown reason. You could argue everything's pointing in that way. We've we've started unbeaten. Know, they just, haven't won. Just, I just feel as though Shanks gets a chance. He bags. I really I'd do. Hope so. I, I think keeper, I, I think that could apply to any of our forward players, if I'm honest. Their keeper is their captain, Yannick Brescher, who was the one saying that they have no heart, passion, or intensity. But, and I was about to say he's been keeping them in games, but as I said, their XG is they've conceded Woeful. way more than they should have done. He still can have good games. I saw him. He came through the Hamburg Academy and was very highly thought of and did quite well there. I I genuinely don't know what's going to happen in St. Gallen. I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one all. Fair. And I generally, I'd also take that. My view on the tie is as long as we aren't down by two goals, we'll get through the tie overall. I think if we can take nice. it to Tynecastle, under two goals down, we should be all right. Have the place rocking. The atmosphere on Sunday was great. So if we can replicate and yeah. better that, it'd be brilliant. Um. Look, I really want to move on to the quiz, so we'll skip over the Celtic. Oh yeah, on Sunday. who cares? We're going to get beat five 0 at Parkhead. I do Just not care about that game at all. Play the backup brigade. Don't care. Yeah. Give the youngsters a chance. Yeah, nobody gives a toss. GMS false nine. Yeah. So let's move on to the quiz. The best part yes. of the show. What I'm absolutely buzzing for. Back. Just asking, oh, I've, asking you I've had the benefit of being the quizmaster yeah, for three it's weeks. Uh, now. It's not nice when the shoes on the other foot, is it? <sighs> right. right. So McIver. Mm-hmm. And, and the listeners. Everybody knows the script by now. Five questions. I've got a, a true or false in there. I've got who am I in there. So we'll end on the who am I. But your first question, Daniel McIver, is Hearts and Dundee United's Premiership matches in 2021-22 brought 18 goals in four meetings. Can you name each of the Jambos nine different goal scorers who bagged 12 against United last season? How about that? Jesus, I am man. That's a... Wait, he welcomed me back easily. Yep. Christ. Right. <laughs> Nandwally. Janelli. Yep. yep. Sims. Yep. Woodburn. Yep. McInef. Yep. That's five. Shit. Right. Wait now. Nandwally and Gino scored in the 2-0 first game. Then... The 5-2 game. Woodburn scored. McInef scored. Oh, no. McIver. What have you done? That first game? Was it not 2-0? It was 2-0. Yeah, who who right. did you say scored? Nandwale. Oh no, Boyce scored. Six. Boyce scored. <laughs> right, yeah. He scored the scored. most out of the 12 against United last season. He scored three. Oh wow. Fair play, Liam. Well done, mate. <laughs> right. So I'm missing three names. Yes, you are. Halkett. Yes, it's seven. Seven? Fucking hell. Oh my god, uh, the other two, you're going to kick yourself. Right, I'm trying to work out who it isn't. So let's see, you've said Liam Boyce, Armand right. Nandwilly. Yep. McInef. Yep. Halkett, Janelli, Sims. Who else? I did see somebody else. Woodburn. Woodburn. Yeah. Right, it wasn't Mackay. It wasn't GMS. It wasn't Devlin. You've got two left. It wasn't Suter. Or was it Suter? No, he scored against Aberdeen. Uh, 
I don't think Smith scored. Nope. Right, one of these is a risk because I think he actually scored against Motherwell, but I'm going to see him. Cochrane? Is correct. Yes, right, <laughs> That's one eight, more. So you got one more. <sighs> I'm going. I'm not going to get this, and I'm going to be <laughs> fucking raging that I got eight out of nine. Eh. I don't think it's him, but I can't think of anybody else that it could be. Oh, he's going for it. Fair play. Go on then. So I'm going to say Haring. Who was it? Mate. Who was so it? the nine different goal scorers were Liam Boyce bagging three, Ben Woodburn bagging two. Armand Nandwili, Alex Cochran, Aaron McInef, Craig Halkett, Josh Janelli, Ellis Sims, but you missed out, Stephen Kingsley in the 5 2. Mm. Do you remember the header at the back stick? I'll be honest, I don't. I don't even remember that. That's goal. all right. That's so, a, a fair play. I'm, I'm glad I don't you remember. Did well. You did well. Yeah. I'm glad I don't remember. I'm glad I didn't go, oh, for God's sake, obviously. I genuinely don't remember that goal. Okay, well, let's move on. United headed to Tynecastle on Sunday looking to get over their nightmare in the Netherlands. But which game is the Jambo's record European defeat in a single match? See, I can't even remember. I got a row. I can say this now. I got a row last week speaking about the lack of European games that I can remember going to when it turns out I've been to Hunters when I was really wee <laughs> and can't remember any of them. Eh. This is a memorable one. Was it in? A, can I get a clue? Was it in our lifetime? Yes. There's only one in my head, but I feel like we would have been beaten by more than that. But I can't think of another one. It's strictly in Europe. Yeah. Was it against Tottenham at home? It was against Tottenham at home. Well done. Yes. The only one that was gonna, the other one I was gonna say was Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah. That was four. I but fell into, I remember that, I fell into that trap when I thought of the question and then I had a wee look at the European records and I was like, oh shit, how did I forget about the Tottenham game? Yeah. So I thought you were going to take the same bait, but well done, you didn't. Yes. Um, here's your true or false. Right. True or false, Hart and Midlothian have never played a Dutch side in European competition. False. It is correct. False. Did we not play Feyenoord? We did. Good. Well remembered, mate. We played Rude Hulitz Feyenoord in the, in the group stage of the UEFA Cup 0-4-0-5. Lost 3-0 in Rotterdam. Is that Cur- the same group as Schalke? Courtesy of a duck cout brace. Uh, Salomon Clue yeah. had a goal disallowed against Craig Levine's hearts as well. Um, aside from Craig Gordon being in goal, sorry, this is question four, what is significant about the last time we headed to Switzerland in a continental match? Uh, Robin Nielsen scored in Basel. Correct! The, the winner, and as you alluded to earlier, it was the same group as the aforementioned Feyenoord. We also played Schalke and Ferenc Varos. Well done, mate. See, I was apparently I saw Ferenc Varos when they came here. I just have no memories of it. <laughs> so that's what, three out of four, and it's only the goal Take scorers that. at the start. And you... I only missed Kingsley. Oh, that's annoying. <sighs> but you're who am I? I'm pretty pleased. Oh, I'm pretty pleased with this one. I, right. need, I needed a belter because I've been I've been done like a kipper in both of mine. So you've I been did... the only person oh, so far no, to not get one. I know. Right. That that's that's for a couple of weeks' time. But yours <laughs> yours for this week is. After becoming a professional footballer in my homeland, I went on to play in America, but never in Major League Soccer. 
Spells in Mauritius and South Africa followed before West Ham United of the English Premier League offered me a trial. Needless to say, it was unsuccessful and I ended up in Gorgie, where I played under my former national team manager. I scored 14 goals for my national team in 58 appearances, much better than my 6 in 91 for the Jambos, according to Wikipedia. Who am I? Oh, I was waiting for a clue. He'd be like, right, I can latch on to that. I cannot latch on to a single one of those clues. What was the clue about the manager, sorry? Uh, I ended up in Gorgie where I played under my former national team manager. Right. My logic is it'll be a Lithuanian guy. Okay. Even Auskis was Lithuanian. (laughs) (laughs) What gave it away? The Auskis. Yeah. But, oh no, it couldn't have been in that team though. Because we were good. But, Christ, he played 91 games. And the way you said that it was disappointing he got six, he was clearly an attacker. How many goals did he get for his national team? 14 and 58 for the national team. That's all right, depending on his position. It's all right considering the national team and all. (laughs) I don't know if that means the national team's good, so he got... (laughs) It's impressive or really bad, and it's like fair play for scoring. Oh, this is one that is, I just can't latch on to any of those clues at all. <laughs> I needed one like this. Do you want me to read again? it all again? Yeah. Right. After becoming a professional footballer in my homeland, I went on to play in America, but never in Major League Soccer. Spells in Mauritius and South Africa followed before West Ham United of the English Premier League offered me a trial. Needless to say, it was unsuccessful and I ended up in Gorgate where I played under my former national team manager. I scored 14 goals for my national team in 58 appearances, much better than my 6 in 91 for the Jambos. Who am I? 91 has completely thrown me. That's so many appearances. Like, so how can't I remember who it would be? I'm trying to think of like becoming a professional footballer in my homeland, but then immediately moving. Do you mean North America or the US? In the US. The US, and he didn't even make the MLS. Yeah, do, do you want me to check the teams that he played for? Yeah, go for it. As if this will help. So he plays for uh, the Rally Capital Express. I've got it now. <laughs> and Wilmington Hammerheads. Yes, that is an actual name. The problem is, I don't even have a name. Like, it's not even like I'm thinking of people. I don't even have a name that I could guess. The, the only name, and it makes no sense. The only name if I you have get it from is... this, I swear. The only name I have in my head is Wacky Madeo. Don't think Craig Levine's his, his manager. <laughs> like, have a feeling he is not Where's Wacky Madeo from, like, Angola? Imagine, imagine so. Craig Levine is the one. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's is the only Angola name I have. Team manager. Oh, that's funny. Scored nine. Had a try that West A couple Ham. of memorable goals in there as well. The only other name that's in my head is Panea, which makes no sense. 
Um, Did we have a Chilean national team manager no. at Tynecastle? <laughs> no, is the answer to that question. Oh, I'm going to have to guess because this is going to be frustrating for listeners. But I don't even have an... And I'm not doing what you do. We just don't even say a name. Yeah, you've got to like, say a name and just... yeah. <sighs> if I can give you any advice, go with your gut because chances are... <laughs> Well, my gut's wacky, my deal. <laughs> That's not who it is. Yeah, don't make that your final answer. Tell I'm trying. I'm trying to think of somebody in like 2008, and I can't think of anybody. Because the only other people I can think of are either English or Scottish people, and that makes no sense because it would be very impressive if somebody put scored that amount of goals for the English or Scottish national team. I was going to say, oh, the record scorer for Scotland's 30, I think. Kenny Dalglish yeah, exactly. and Dennis Law. Probably. It would be unbelievable if somebody had that. So it's half that record. in 58 caps. Yeah. Oh, I keep... Well, you're really you're confusing me. You're really confusing me with the fact that the manager was the national team manager as That's well. That's clue. completely thrown That's a great clue. I'm trying to think of players who Shaba Laszlo had. But I can't remember what ethnicity Shabalazlo is. <sighs> Interesting. I can't even think. I can't even think of Shabalazlo players. That's the problem. Who's? <laughs> this is bad. I'm hoping this I... is haunting you. This is this I was can't... a tough one. I had to come back with a tough one. I feel bad for listeners that I'm dragging this on, but I can't even think of a no, name to say. This is what we want. It's entertainment. Just just give us your working. Talk to me. Think think of your reasoning. I can't think of where Shabalazlo's from. So I'm trying to... Do you want me to tell you where Shabalazlo's from? Yeah. He's from Hungary. Right. We've never had a Hungarian player. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not him. However, he could, I don't even think he's ever managed internationally. I can't even think of international managers apart from Levine... And that's it. I can think of Levine. <laughs> oh my god. I am going to go with. Oh my god. Did you see he had the trial with West Ham before he came to us? Yes. Right. If you I'm, get this. I don't, I don't know why. I'm sticking with French people, even though I can't think of a single French man. Oh no, it wouldn't be the fucking France manager. Jesus, <laughs> that would have been some coup if we got a former France manager. Didier Deschamps, Robbie's successor. Exactly. Zidane turns up. It's like you have to play my son. Uh, I'm going to go. Nah, nah. I can't even think of anybody. I'm going to try and think of who scored barely any goals, but played a lot for us. I love him, even though this makes no sense, because we've never had a, this nationality manager, so I know it's wrong, but I just want to speak about him. I'm going Kevin McKenna, <laughs> even though we've never had a Canadian manager. Well, You've your... come back for Canada. Let's get a Canadian mention in at the end. Is that your who final answer? It? Yes, who was it? Needless to say, it's not Kevin McKenna. You were on the right lines with Shabalazlo. Because right. if I read the teams that Shabalazlo's managed, he managed Ferencvaros from 2004 to 5. He then managed FC Sopron, a Hungarian team. Never heard of them. He then became McIver, 
the Uganda national team manager, 2006 to 2008, before he took the Hearts job in 2008 to 10. I can't even think of any Ugandans that we've ever had. So that's that's you ruled out? Yeah, no idea. The correct answer, my friend. Oh, is it Larry King? No, no Larry he's Ghanaian. Um, Ghanaian, yeah. The correct answer is Mr. Gunfingers himself in this very top, David Abua. <laughs> I would never have got that because I didn't know any of those clues fit him. Had had to, had to come back with a belter, mate. I've, I've I could have been here for that. 10 years. I could have been here for 10 years. Would ne- like, Obua didn't even come into my head at all. When I was Ever. Th- it popped into my head the other week and I was like, oh, he'd be a good who am I? I, I had a little look um, on his Wikipedia, as I say, to, to get the majority of this information. <laughs> let's, just, let's just have a little reading session. So, he found life in the SPFL difficult in his first two seasons, although he did see an improvement in his form when Jim Jeffries replaced his former national manager, Shaba Laszlo. In the absence of a target man, Abua was often played in the unfamiliar role of striker. Abua scored the winner in an Edinburgh derby at Easter Road, home of arch-rivals Hibernian. He was sent off at Hearts' home match against Celtic on the 11th of May 2011 at an eventual 3-0 loss. And he scored the opening goal of the 2011-12 SPL season against Rangers at Ibrox with a header from a corner. Abua was told in April 2012 that his contract with Hearts would not be extended. Then it has nothing. And later says, on the 25th of March 2015, Abua retired from football. However, he subsequently trained with Kampala Club, Kampala Capital City Authority FC, to keep up his fitness. So we were supposedly his last club. He's since moved into coaching, when, and he's the assistant manager at Maroons FC, and has been nice. and has held that position since 2018, six years after ending his playing career. There you are. We were his last club. Sad to see. What is Shaba Laszlo doing managing Uganda? Shaba's just a weird guy, though, isn't he? Like that. Yes. Like I, I think he's managed Lithuania. Uh, so yeah, after us, it was Charleroi in Belgium, then Lithuania, MTK Budapest. Dunajska, Streda, Slovakia. Then he moved to Dundee United. Sepsi, OSK in Romania. And Chennaiyan Football Club in India. There you go. Pointless information to take up the rest of the podcast. Drag it out over an hour, as we do. And yeah. We're way over an hour here. This is a bumper episode with you coming back. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I wanted you know a big episode. Kingsley's back. I'm back. We're, we're similar he- levels we're heading to Europe yeah man this is this is great like, life's good again well let us know if you got David Abua if you did that's very impressive but massive thank you for listening as we say Adam's back it's great great times I've had by all obviously this is coming out on Wednesday tomorrow as you're listening to this we play Zurich so we're going to have a lot to talk about next week but if you have enjoyed this episode this week, please do leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It massively helps. If you've been watching on YouTube, please leave a like, comment, and subscribe. That also massively helps us. If you want to get in contact with us, we're Perth to Paisley on all the social media and Perth to Paisley at gmail.com. If you want to fire us over anything there, Adam, where can they get you on social media? And they can get me on social media at Adam T. Kendo. And last word from me, I hope that all the jambos that are heading out to Switzerland have a fantastic time. Stay safe, 
and fingers crossed you can carry the team to, to a remarkable result and hopefully we can take them back to tiny firmly in the tie your socials McIver very well said I am at dmcIver22 we'll be back next week to cover the first leg of the Zurich game the inevitable battering at Celtic Park and then preview the second leg and all other stuff but until then we'll see you next time bye bye Monogites